So this evening we're going to look back uh, at uh, the next of the fruit of the Spirit that we've been looking at in our evening worship, and this evening the uh, fruit of the Spirit we're looking at is goodness. So um, before I begin, because uh, really I was looking at the theme of good and, and I guess evil as well. So sometimes I think the Lord, just to help you uh, get a better handle on your own heart and on what you're going to say, uh, gives you some experience that makes you rely afresh on Him. So I was in Campbellton on Thursday and Friday, or Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, um, uh, preaching in the evenings. And in the mornings, I thought, well, that, that's when I'll do my sermon. I'll prepare my sermon there. So Thursday morning, did all the groundwork, spent a lot of time, went up, a bit of quiet, peace, and, and got it all down on my iPad. Great technology, it's tremendous. And uh, then Friday, I spent the whole morning praying, and then honing it down, changing it, just getting it exactly as, as I wanted with a, a, you know, a spectacular benedict, uh, conclusion to it that I was really looking forward to preach. And then uh, I went uh, into uh, the computer today, this afternoon, at the church, and the Google Doc had not downloaded. Okay. Well, it had downloaded, but it had downloaded an early rubbish version. Okay. And uh, so I, I, I got my iPad, and the original was still on the iPad. It's great. And then uh, I emailed the original back to the computer, and in so doing, lost the original and lost it on my iPad and on my computer. So, very many evil, wicked, wicked, horrible, black, dark thoughts came into my heart about iPads and about stamping on top of them and beating them up and uh, viciously throwing them into the water uh, because uh, my sermon had been ruined. So I spent the last half hour before the evening service praying to be good and also trying to get the sermon together as I had originally intended it. So it probably isn't. It's a rough, uh, rubbish um, kind of draft version that you're getting this evening. So you need to be praying even more than you normally do uh, for the service this evening. In fact, uh, the first thing I had in my sermon notes was that I was tempted to use the sermon from two weeks ago on kindness and simply replace the word kindness with goodness, because that actually there's a lot of similarity between the two words and between the two concepts and ideas. And we can clearly see that there are similar principles involved in working out kindness in your life and working out goodness. So there may be for you this evening a degree of meaningful repetitiveness. Uh, and hopefully, uh, when there is such repetitiveness, it's because God wants us to remember something. But kindness and goodness are different. They have their own particular emphasis. I'm not going to go back into the, uh, the whole kind of idea of kindness this evening, but they're, they're like sweet twins. There's a lot that's similar about them, but there's, there's different emphasis, and they're unique in their own character, uh, these characteristic fruit of the Spirit. Goodness is really a broader concept than kindness, uh, biblically. It's really uh, kindness is more, yes, it does stem from, from our hearts, but it's more about the acts that we're engaged in now. So is goodness to a degree. But it's wider. It involves our moral consciousness as it's played out in the physical world. Now, I just want to say a couple of things by way of a longish introduction 
uh, and then move into uh, one or two thoughts about goodness. Um, but I'm, I'm going to mix it up a little bit this week, uh, because if you know uh, what we've done, if you've been here in the last number of weeks, we've, we've used a structure uh, for going through the fruit of the Spirit. We've asked the questions, what is it, what it's not, what's its counterfeit, and how do we get it? I'm not going to do that this evening. I'm going to kind of blend uh, these questions into the study, but uh, not uh, clearly uh, define them in such ways. But I want to look at a couple of things by way of a drunk introduction. The first is to look at goodness philosophically and then practically, very briefly, uh, of course, in doing so. But I think that uh, if we are to recognize uh, that good exists and its opposite, evil, exists, however, however we choose to define these things, then it really it must be the case that we have a conscious and a moral and a personal source for that. So that goodness, uh, a good and evil, don't simply exist in uh, uh, a world without a moral reality and without consciousness. The greatest question, in fact, uh, for the secular atheist is where good and evil and conscious come from when there is no personal God or personal being from which they are derived? Where do they come from uh, in this uh, world that is purely materialistic? If they deny any kind of moral absolutism and a personal God, then it's very hard to posit the whole idea of good and evil in any meaningful sense. At best, uh, without God, what we do is we make up our own definitions of what is good and what is evil, without even uh, thinking of their origin or where they come from. But we know that it can only therefore ever be relative. If that is what we uh, consider as the universe, a universe without uh, moral absolutes or without a personal moral creator, then good and evil can only ever be the sum of what a group of people decide that good and evil is going to be, usually based on power or influence of a particular group or society. Or it becomes radically individualistic, which is the direction in which we're going, where society is derided and decried and community is less and less important when what is right in my own eyes is the only ultimate authority, but the end game of such thinking is always, will always be chaos and anarchy. So, philosophically, there's, there's issues that you would need to spend a great deal of time thinking about uh, on this issue. But also, practically, therefore, uh, without God uh, or without considering God, where does, what is goodness? And where does goodness come from? Is it my idea of goodness? Or is it your idea of goodness? Whose version of goodness do we believe? There's a, a way of thinking today which is, well, surely I can do what I want, uh, and I regard that as good as long as it doesn't harm anybody else. But the question arises then, what do you mean by harm? And whose harm? is involved in that. And there's all kinds of difficult questions with regard to that. So that often people regard what is good 
as simply something that they regard as good and evil is whatever we think is not good. So, in a society, maybe that loving your enemy is seen as something that is evil. Resisting revenge is not a good thing. Suffocating gossip. Recognizing marriage between a man and a woman. Not necessarily agreeing with gender fluidity. Seeking to protect the most vulnerable in society. We find that uh, there will be different measures of what is good and what is evil and what is accepted and what is not. But we also give thanks that there is still goodness at a moral level in the society. Even when God is rejected, we rejoice in that, and we give thanks that there is a moral consciousness in people, even though it's tempted, it's tainted. But what we do recognize, even when that is the case, that often evil and good and the definitions of evil and good are being turned on their head. God says in Isaiah chapter 5, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Very often in that definition of goodness and definition of evil, it will be externalized uh, to other people, seldom internalized, which gives us what we often find is a blame culture. Everyone else is wrong everyone else is evil. And we know that that is often the case in our own hearts as well. It's often the case in a church community context. What is it that we most often do when we're challenged with what we think is not good in a church or in a Christian community? We blame others. We think they don't know what is good. We think they're doing what is bad maybe not in a deep-seated evil uh, um, way, but in reality, there's this uh, temptation for us to constantly be blaming other people. We recently had the uh, Presbytery Oversight visit, and uh, the question, they, they put questions in about church life, which is great, and the responses were really interesting and, and helpful. But one question I would always put in a questionnaire about a church community like that as a matter of course, which is never in it, actually. Uh, it's usually, you know, what do you think of the church and what, what do you think needs to change in the church and what's not so good about the church and uh, what is good about the church. One thing I would always put, or two questions I put, what is it uh, in your heart that needs to change to make things better in this church? Or what do you need to repent of to encourage goodness to flourish in this church. So there's a move sometimes away from the external and what everyone else needs to do, and a recognition of, as we'll come on to see in God's economy, that there's often, in terms of goodness, a lot of change that we need to make in our own lives. Natural, our natural and our worldly response to what you would change in your life or your family or your church to make it good, to make it better, is never usually me. It's usually always somebody or something else. And that is fundamentally not biblical goodness. Whatever else it is, it is fundamentally not biblical goodness. When we say uh, 
Others need to make my world good. External realities need to change to make my world good. That is not primarily understanding biblical goodness, but rather goodness as a fruit of the Spirit is me being made new by a good God, is me being changed and transformed by a good God into His image. And it, it always, the fruit of the Spirit will always be primarily a recognition morally of our need to change. Yes, it will involve community change, but it always begins with a recognition of our need and of our hearts. So, goodness as a fruit of the Spirit recognizes in the first place God as its source. All of the fruit of the Spirit are a fruit of the Spirit, of the Spirit of God, a reflection of His character, of His being. All these characteristics reflect the being and the character of God. And God in His moral being and in His activity is a good God. That's the definition that we have. In His justice, in His righteousness, and in His intentions, He's the Father of goodness. He is the one who has originated goodness. It's defined by Him. He is the definition of goodness. Indeed, evil, evil only exists in the context, in the reality of a living good God. It only exists in opposition to a great and good God. Now, beyond that, beyond that, the genesis of evil is an unrevealed mystery but it only exists in contradistinction to a good and holy and righteous God. We know that evil was spawned in the heart of Satan as a fallen angel. He's the opposite of God. He is the father of lies. In John uh, 8.44, I think we have these words, uh, you're of your father, Jesus says, the devil, and you, your will is to do your father's desires. You're a murderer from the beginning, and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we see uh, evil and its darkness and it, the opposite of good comes from the father of lies as opposed to goodness, which comes from God as our father. Uh, and we recognize that evil uh, in this world is not a, a vague, ethereal, uh, mis mysterious, and impersonal force. It is morally linked to the hearts and minds of every single individual, whether it be a, an angel or a human being. Morally responsible individuals are those who reflect the goodness of God or the reality of evil. So, God is its source, both in His being, in His creativity, and we'll also see in His redemption. So, in His being, in Mark 10, 18, uh, Jesus said, interestingly, uh, to the person who came up to Him and said, uh, good teacher, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And indeed, in an inverted way, He was uh, claiming 
divinity there as he makes this statement about God. God is just, and God is perfect. God is holy and loving. And all of these characteristics define the parameters of his goodness. Evil never comes from the heart of God. And that's an important practical reality for us as we consider blaming God for evil that happens in our lives or evil that happens in this world, and many people do that. We can't because God is the author of good, and uh, we can never blame God for the reality of evil. It is the deception of the father of lies, and you, you must tread carefully when you seek to accuse God of evil because the reality is if God is evil, then we are all damned and there is no hope. In His being, therefore He's good, also in His creativity. We know from the very beginning that He created the world, and He created the world and said, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. And then He says, it is very good. He saw the world and the humanity that He made in His own image, and the creativity of what He had made, and the provision, and food, and drink, and relationships, and society as being good, really good, very good. And his creative genius is an expression of his goodness, not only uh, in, in itself, but in the provision that is made for us. Now, we all know, we all know that that creation is tainted and broken and subject to death and decay, and it's in shadow and in confusion and in doubt and in darkness as humanity rejected the good Father in creation and the Lordship of God and His reign and wanted their own independence. But He is good in His creativity and in His being. And He's good in redemption, in the gospel story. What does the gospel mean? The gospel simply means good news. And we've been, we've been celebrating that today, celebrating it at the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, which is always about not only the death but the resurrection of Jesus, uh, celebrated in our own salvation, uh, celebrated in uh, all that He has done for us, celebrated in the links uh, between the Passover and the Lord's Supper, and all it speaks of of freedom uh, and of goodness and of grace and of hope. Uh, the, the greatest, so, the, so what we have is the greatest act of evil, uh, the, take, the taking of the life of the only good and perfect human being uh, who was also God in the flesh, the, the most evil, the darkest moment when even the sun wouldn't shine uh, for these three hours on the event of the cross becomes also the greatest good where sin and uh, rebellion and the wrath of God is taken and defeated, where forgiveness is offered where God opens up His welcoming good arms back into fellowship with Him to belonging and to a good life and to a good future uh, with Him. So, God is its source, uh, and that's very important when we're thinking about goodness. It's not simply what society thinks is goodness. It's not simply what we think uh, inherently is goodness. It is external to us at one level. It is primarily God being its source, as we see. But can I say secondly and finally and briefly 
that Christ buys it back for us. Christ buys back goodness. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. As we trust in God, He gifts us His Holy Spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit uh, are these characteristics that reflect the transformation in our lives. So, Christ buys back goodness for us all in our definition, in our appreciation, and in our lives. So, in our definition, we recognize God as its source. Therefore, we worship Him, and we can worship Him because of His grace. So, primarily, the goodness that's spoken of here is reflected in a heart transformation. Luke 6, 45, the, the, the passage we read before uh, that Corey read earlier, it is, it's the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And again and again and again, the key to our understanding of the gospel and of the fruit of the Spirit is where our heart lies, where our trust lies, and our definition of goodness as it comes from uh, the source, which is the living God and our dependence on Him. So, our definition of goodness is molded by and is defined by uh, our experience of His goodness in salvation, in redeeming and forgiving us uh, and giving us new life. And then in our appreciation also of what He calls good, so, we of all people should be those who live with gratitude for all His great gifts, His great gifts of food and drink. That's why I think it's nice still to say grace and significant still to say grace before a meal, because that's one of these recognitions of His goodness. We appreciate creation. We seek to protect creation. We love His good things. We love His good gifts. We appreciate what He has done for us. And uh, we seek to live in accordance with His will uh, because of gratitude for His goodness. It can never, the, the Christian life for us, therefore, can never be moralism and be moralistic and uh, simply acting outwardly in a certain way because it meets certain parameters of living. It must always come from a changed heart a heart of gratitude that has learned to appreciate God for who He is and live in goodness. So, we define it in terms of God, we appreciate it from God, and we live it as it is characterized in the Bible by God. We become Holy Spirit intentional and intentionally seek to follow God in His way. We recognize that Goodness uh, is defined by God, and we do good simply because God says it is a good thing to do. We obey Him, uh, and we say no to what is evil. We learn to hate the things God hates, and we seek to love the things God loves. We don't seek to do good things simply so that other people will good, do good things back. We don't uh, seek to do good things simply because uh, someone will do us a favor in return. 
we recognize that we do good things, and we do good to our enemies, and we do good because God has shown us what goodness is. It's never for popularity that we do these things, but we love what God loves, and we stand up for what is right and what is just and what is good. And I want to finish with this paradox about goodness. Um, I think it's one of these things that um, we're kind of tempted to compare ourselves a lot with other people in terms of goodness. I'm better than the next person, or I'm good in the context of this church, or I'm better than others in the context of church. Um, and it, it's, it's a really difficult thing to uh, live out self-unconsciously. But it, can I finish just with a paradox of being truly good? I think being truly good uh, has two dimensions to it. Being truly good has two dimensions. One is that if you're truly good by grace, you're truly good unconsciously. In other words, there's a sense in which you don't know and you don't sense that you're good. It, it simply happens when your roots spiritually are in the right place, when you're rooted to the Spirit of God and to the character of God. It, it's like, you know, the Bible speaks about a seed. We don't know how it grows. It just grows. Um, and, you know, a child… You know, some people were in church this morning who used to come to this church, um, and we haven't seen them for a while, and one of the boys is about six feet high, and the last time we saw him, he was about two feet high. They just grow. They just grow. They're unselfconscious about it. They don't spend their life thinking, I've grown. I'm, I'm growing a little bit more. It's, it's a, hugely, it's a mystery, and growth simply happens when they're in the right place, and they're eating the right foods, and they're healthy. They simply grow. There's a mystery to it. And that is true about goodness. The key is where our heart is, and in a sense, when our heart's in the right place, there's such humility and self-forgetfulness that we, we don't appreciate that we are acting in a godly or in a good way. It's a, a little bit of the right hand not knowing what the left hand's doing. Bit of self-unconsciousness in our lives. It's an, it becomes the instinct of grace that is simply how we react because we are rooted to the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, you do unconsciously. In other words, you don't do it and then say, well, that, that was pretty good, and I'm, I'm glad I did that, and I feel quite proud about what I did there. So, that's what I mean by being self unconscious. But this paradox of this, of being truly good, I think, is also is that you're conscious of always needing to learn. You never stop learning about goodness. Yes, it, is, it becomes instinctive, but it is always about learning. And the Bible is full of teaching to us about goodness. Ephesians 2 verse 10 uh, says, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared for him, that we should walk in them. So, He's given us a way to walk. 
And Galatians 6, 9, and 10, uh, don't grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So there's things to learn about doing and about being good. And Micah 6, verse 8, my favorite of all, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And these uh, are really significant and important lessons we learn about how to live uh, in, not just instinctively, but consciously, disciples learning about goodness. And that also comes into play when we are faced with evil in our lives. In Romans 8, 28, uh, we have these words, for we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good who are called according to His purpose. So, there's reality that we can see goodness even in the darkness of our experiences, and that's a non-stop learning experience. That doesn't come instinctively. That is not an unconscious reality, for it's something we need to keep learning. Real intentionality for us always learning. It's not natural. It's not a given. It's not genetic. Uh, We are constantly needing to go to our source, to the Lord Jesus Christ, for that we're always falling short. We're always building we're always ripping down and building up and changing. We came here 17 years ago. Uh, about 16 years ago, they closed the quarter mile, uh, or they kind of opened, I guess, the quarter mile. They closed the hospital that was there, and they started working on the quarter mile. Now, 16 years on, they're still working on it. It's a work in progress. And uh, they're constantly building, they're constantly updating, they're constantly renewing and refreshing and, and making it better, making it a beautiful place. And I do wonder sometimes, is the very first glass building that they did, they did beside the uh, Middle Meadow Walk, if they now look at that and think, ooh, gee, it's a bit old hat now, we should maybe rip it down and start again. And all the things we've learned as we've gone along, we can maybe put it into uh, this building again. And in a sense, our, our Christian lives are like that. We're always learning we're always developing. We're always uh, kind of renewing and being matured and becoming more and more like God in goodness as we rely on Him. So, in conclusion, the question is a very simple one. Uh, is the fruit in your life and in my life falling near to the tree or falling far away from the tree? Uh, and this week that we've entered you'll have many spur-of-the-moment minutes, moments when maybe trouble will come, or you'll have choices to make, or you'll be tempted to lose your temper, um, or you'll have a, a decision that's important. What will be your instinct? What will be your spiritual instinct when you're faced with trials or difficulties or extremely bad news medically when someone wrongs you, what will be your instinctive response? Will you be tempted to be bad in return? Will you sense, like I sensed with the iPad, this evil, vicious, destructive uh, desire coming up from within? Uh, What will it come to mind? Will you respond prayerfully? How will goodness reveal itself in your life and in my life this week 
as we are faced with a myriad of darkness and evil and temptations and difficulties. What will be the evidence that you and I are born anew? Because it should be that we bear the fruit of the Spirit more and more. This morning, we had the Lord's table and kind of in an inverted way. Uh, we, are to we are encouraged always to examine ourselves before sitting at the Lord's table. Well, maybe this evening, it's a good thing to do as well in the light of God's Word, in the light of Scriptures, to be examining ourselves as to the fruit of the Spirit that we're bearing. Not in church. Not when everything's going well. Not when it's easy. That's no problem. But when we are tested and tried, are we bearing His fruit? And also, as a Christian, take great comfort where your roots are. Take great comfort in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the gift of the Spirit and in the transforming power He has to make our ugly and dark and evil and bad hearts good. Let's pray. Lord, help us, we pray, to know You and to love You and to serve You better. Help us to understand goodness as it is defined in Your Word uh, through Your character. Uh, keep us from moralism. Keep us from that horrible uh, merely outward parameters of living, which are legalistic and are uh, never uh, uh, sufficient to uh, suppress the darkness of our own heart. Remind us that we can't possibly simply live as Christians with an exterior holiness. Help us to recognize and know and understand and confess our own need of renewal and uh, our own heart that needs to be changed and the transformation that needs to be wrought within us before a holy God. Uh, remind us that your goodness is simply too great to look on, um, and your holiness and your purity is impossible for us to reflect or to, in and of ourselves, enter into your presence. But we thank you that through Jesus Christ and His goodness and His holiness and His righteousness, we are brought into that place uh, where uh, we can stand before God as our Father and know His love and His grace and His goodness. So, we thank You for Jesus Christ, who is the great example uh, for us, but also the great atoning sacrifice for our sins. And we rejoice in His goodness and pray and seek that we might reflect uh, His goodness through the Spirit in our lives into this week we've entered. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.